I know how much you all enjoy uh, your fellowship time. Um, the elders uh, have added a few extra chairs, and a couple people have just asked questions about seating, if we can kind of add more tables in here, and they're, they're working on figuring out uh, how to do that. Some Sundays we've got chairs full and people standing in the back, so uh, you have a good group of elders, and they're very smart men, so uh, they'll figure all that out. So if you have any questions, talk to them, and uh, we'll get all that figured out. Good to be back with you. As I mentioned to the early service folks, uh, Pastor Grady and I, uh, spent uh, most of this last week up on campus at Concordia Theological Seminary for the annual uh, symposia. Uh, symposia is basically two conferences or symposiums uh, combined into one. Uh, topic this year was atonement. Uh, had some uh, really good, uh, really good papers and uh, focus, uh, and uh, good to sit and learn and receive for a change instead of being the person that's doing that and good to fellowship with other pastors and uh, professors as well. So uh, bring your greetings from uh, President Rast, uh, who many of you know, as well as Dr. Just, a uh, good friend of Pastor Feeney's, uh, my doctor father, uh, Dr. Uh, Jeff Pulse, uh, and, uh, and everyone else up there. So it was a good week, and uh, it's always nice when the weather uh, is, is decent. You don't have to you know, put your hat and your scarf and your gloves on to go to chapel or to go from one place to the next. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a blessed week uh, and worship was good. Pastor Harrison preached uh, and uh, gave a presentation as well. Uh, so uh, it was good. So thanks for letting us get away. Uh, back to the regular schedule now this week with activities. Uh, this as well is Lutheran Schools Week. Um, so you'll notice my wife uh, and youngest son are not here today. Uh, they're over at Our Shepherd because they have some festivities there for their school, singing during the services. And since she's a school teacher, her duties take her away. Uh, but uh, keeping our prayers as well, our own Lutheran school here at Advent. Uh, so a lot of activities going on uh, with uh, Deb Trawartha and the rest of our staff. So uh, keep that in mind. And if you've got any time on your hands, uh, you know, stop by and ask if she needs anything done. She'll probably put you to work. So, okay. Any other general announcements that I'm missing or just general questions before we begin Bible class today? Nothing? You guys are just too easy. Too easy. Okay. Well, let's begin with a little word of prayer. The Lord be with you. May God bestow on us his grace and favor to please him with our behavior and live together here in love and union, nor repent this blessed communion. O Lord, have mercy, let not your good spirit forsake us, but that heavenly-minded you make us. Give your church, O Lord, to see days of peace and unity. O Lord, have mercy. Amen. Amen. So, we are talking about the sacrament of the altar. Uh, this is now chapter 7 from Professor Marquardt's book, The Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People. Uh, if you have the uh, print copy, we're on the bottom of page 113, Preparation and Confirmation. Um, last week and the week before, uh, we focused specifically on the fact that this means this and is means is. Okay. So when we have the sacrament of the altar, this bread, this wine that is now set before you. Okay. Uh, because the simple question is, what becomes his body and blood? And for the sake of good order, it's set before you there on the altar. This bread and this wine now is to be the holy meal that Christ promises. Okay, 
Um, and so it's all about table fellowship. Early service people make the connection with the sending of the 72 to what they are now doing in the homes as they are visiting. Jesus doesn't emphasize mission and evangelism on the roadside. He emphasizes a familial, relational, personal, intimate setting in homes with people. Okay, um, and, and there's a meal that is to be held there. Okay, um, And so this wine, this bread, and now the word is, simply means what it says. Is means is. You got bread and your wine, bread and wine, that now at Christ's command, by the power of his holy, all-creating, salvific, you know, and, and the word in the Greek is, uh, is, is, is didymus. It's where we get the word dynamite from, right? So think, right, dynamite. Remember the old uh, Roadrunner cartoons? Oh, I love the Roadrunner. Roadrunner and Wiley E. Coyote, right? And, and he's always blowing himself up, right? And the Roadrunner's like, beep, beep, yoom, right? Um, and so there's great power. The power of God's word comes now in this bread and wine now, at his command, also becomes what? His body and blood, right? And, and we don't try and rationalize this. We don't try to spiritualize this. We, we don't jump into to, to Greek dualism, nor do we jump into Aristotelian philosophy as St. Thomas Aquinas did, and that there's a change of substance, we just simply take him at his word. Is means is. It's still bread and wine that you're eating and tasting and touching. And you know what? This probably bothers some of you. It's still a meal. You know what? There's going to be a few crumbs that fall down on your hands or on the floor. Don't become some sort of super pietist. It's a meal. The meal is for you to eat and drink. I'm glad there's a few little crumbs that fall into your hands. You know why? Because it's a meal. Do you eat in your home? Do your kids spill food? Yeah. When the first happened, you got, ooh, you know. <laughs> and then as they got a little older, you got used to it. But that's part of it. And you probably dribble on your shirt a little bit, don't you? You hate it with my dad. Every time mom would fix spaghetti, for some reason, he was wearing a white Oxford shirt. And you know what would happen. I don't even have to tell you. Every time. Yeah. Didn't matter how careful he was with the noodles and the spaghetti sauce. Bloop, 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 bloop. And, and we just became a running joke in the family. You know, it's like he saw the spaghetti sauce and, and quickly went into the, his room to put on a white shirt or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. So it's for you to eat and drink. Yes, we are respectful of it. Don't get too crazy with it, though. Right? Uh, th th there's a story, uh, Luther kind of makes fun of himself later on in, in, in his life because early on being uh, a priest, he spilled a little bit of the blood of the Lord and it, it soaked down into the wood. Do you know what he did? Anybody know this story? What did he do? He chopped up the wood. Right? And, and, you know, I don't know if he had one of those little bullet blenders that you guys all make your smoothies out of today or what. He chopped it up and, and basically drank all the wood pulp and chips because he, the, the blood of Jesus is there. And later on in his life, he kind of repented of that, right? 
We want to be respectful, but that's just crazy. Because the blood of Jesus is for you to do what with? Eat and drink it. Okay? So we have no promises that after the meal is ended or whatever, that it remains the body and blood of Jesus. Okay? That we don't have any promises one way or the other, but we just treat it respectfully. That's why the best way to get rid of what's been consecrated is just to do what he says to do with it. We don't stick it in Tupperware. And, and, and save it for the next service. We don't, you know, hang it on a, uh, some sort of a, ooh, we could make some money this way. We could let the bread harden and we could put it on a necklace and sell them to you. Or we could hang it on, a, on some a little lanyard and you could hang it from your rearview mirror in your car. And we could tell you, Jesus is with you always. Well, there he is. Well, that's nonsense. Okay, and the Roman Catholic Church falls into this trap. Because it's for eating and drinking. You follow it? You pick it up what I'm laying down here? Okay? And so, yes, we want to be respectful, but it's a, it's a meal. All right? And so it, it, it's going to be a little messy from time to time. Don't feel guilty if you spill, you know, if, 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 if you slop. Um, it's a meal. And just leave it at that. And it's for you to eat and drink. And we will do our best to be respectful with that, you know, and, and stay clean and all that. Okay? Is means is. Uh, hocest enum corpus meum. This is my body. Uh, that's the Latin, and that's where some people misunderstood. And, and it, hocus pocus, it's where the word hocus pocus comes from. That it's a, some sort of, of, of magical thing. Well, it, it's not really magical, it's divine. And the better word there is sacramental. Okay? Uh, sacramental is a Latin word for mysterion, which means mysterious. Okay? Um, and so, yeah, it's a mystery. Um, how can Jesus' body and blood be here? Because Jesus said so, right? Uh, and the Calvin and the other Reformed, um, you know, hey, man, they'd say, Jesus is up in heaven. He can't be in both places at once. Either he ascended into heaven and he's up there, which means he's not here in your silly bread and wine. And we say, if Jesus says so, we'll just simply believe him. Thank you very much. Does it make sense to our Western rational minds? No. You know, we, we, want, we want everything to be in order. We want two to come after one and three to come after two and four to come after three. And then Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Says things like, uh, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And our Western rational minds go, <laughs> So we simply come back to thus saith the Lord. So can he create this whole world in six days? Not only can he, he did. Okay? Created a male and female as well. Okay? So you might identify however you want to identify. It doesn't change how God has made or what he has done. Okay. Enough about that. I'm getting a little wound up. Sorry. I've been gone for a week. Preparation and confirmation. Bottom page 113. And we had a great question last week, and I don't... I don't see the person that asked me that is here today, but it was a really good question. He said, he said, Pastor, he goes, I've heard you use this term, medicine of immortality. And it was a really good question. Medicine of immortality. And so you've talked about the Lord's Supper being food, not just for the soul, but also for the body. Could you talk more about that? Could you help me understand that? He said, Pastor, you have encouraged us when, when we're sick or when we're troubled or when we're in need that it's okay to call you or Pastor Grady and say, could you please bring me the sacrament? And you've encouraged us to do that. Okay? Why? 
how is the Lord's sacrament going to be helpful for not just my soul, but for my physical body as well? And I love questions like that, okay? So I, I spent the week thinking about it, and then I got back to Marquot and said, hey, he answers this question in the rest of this chapter. So that's what we're going to get to today, okay? So if you're listening online and you ask this question, here we go. St. Paul warns against receiving the sacrament, quote, in an unworthy manner, which leads to judgment. First question, what is worthy or unworthy? How would you answer that? What is worthy or unworthy? What does it mean to be worthy of the sacrament? Are any of us by our nature worthy of God's grace and mercy? Oh, all right, good. you're good guilty Lutherans, right? As well you should be, all right? We're poor, miserable sinners, okay? Uh, we, we are poor, miserable sinners. None of us have earned it. Um, you know, none of us can earn it. You know, it always goes back to that, that, that saving private Ryan moment that the self-justifying sinner in you always wants to have, right? You want to earn what God has done. So the movie Saving Private Ryan, don't watch it if you can't stomach a lot of bloodshed and stuff. The beach scene is absolutely horrific. It'll, it'll tear you up. It might make you puke. Um, but, 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 but ultimately, this, this, this Private Ryan, uh, he's told that he has to earn the sacrifice that's been laid down for him. And so he spends his whole life trying to be a good man, does a pretty good job. But at the end of his life, he's standing before the graves of all these people who, who served him and helped him and, and did I do enough? I hope I've earned it. Wow. What a way to go through life. Am I really good enough? Have I done enough? You might be there in some respects. <laughs> Guilty Lutherans can be good at this as well, right? And the answer is you'll never get to that point. You're never going to climb that sanctification ladder far enough where you're like, well, I've arrived. Hey, I've done pretty good. <laughs> some of you might. But there's, there's that guilt, and if you do, come talk to me. I'll set you straight, okay? But, but there's, 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 that, there's that, that, that guilt, you know. You can't earn, and that, that's, what, that's what grace and mercy is all about. Now, God promises His Holy Spirit, and, and that's why you need His Word. That's why you need His sacrament, because these are the means whereby the Lord has promised to work. So now let's tie the Lord's sacrament back to that. The Lord's sacrament is both for your body and for your soul. How do we know this? Well, let's see. When you're baptized, what do we know about baptism? Baptism, we're told, Holy Scripture, Holy Spirit, links you with Jesus in His death and also His resurrection. Not only that, baptism now is a daily dying to sin of the old man and a rising to new life of the new man, okay? And this is not just New Testament, Old Testament, creating me a clean, cardis, cardia, clean heart, cardiology, and renew a right spirit within me, okay? Uh, and, and the spirit here, uh, uh, pneuma, agion, it, it's, it's, it's whose spirit? It's the Holy Spirit, Right? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why do you need a right spirit? Because each of us is born with the wrong spirit. Which is why the original baptism rites three times would go something like this. Depart from this child, O ye unclean spirit, and make room for the Holy Spirit. 
It was an exorcism. And even in our current liturgical rites, we've lost some of the teeth to that. Now what's left is, do you renounce the devil? Do you renounce all his works? Do you renounce all his ways? Well, la-dee-da, good for you. So the church, (laughs) I know I'm getting a little crazy, but this is where the church, you know, we need to reclaim a little bit of this because it's simply speaking the command and the authority of Christ. You see the difference? It's not just, well, what do you believe or what are you going to do? I mean, that's all good, but that's the result of what God's Word creates, okay? So Luther is even more specific. His baptismal rite from 15... 17, I think. Pastors, correct me. Okay, here is the command. I adjure you, O unclean spirit, come out of this child and make room for the Holy Spirit. Wow. Is that pretty strong? As opposed to, do you renounce the devil? Do you see the difference? Where does it put the emphasis? On the authority of Christ. Okay given to be spoken with authority through the called servant of Christ, the emissary of Christ, to the devil. Wow. Okay. You know, and so you just, this is where studying a little bit of the history and kind of, I mean, getting getting back to what's going on in, the, in, 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 in Scripture and just a theologian of the cross calls a thing what it is. Whereas a theologian of the glory, and this is from Luther's Heidelberg Dissipation, a theologian of glory, well, they just want to make everything kind of nice and comfortable, <laughs> right? They don't want to offend anybody, okay? Now, maybe you walked by, you might be offended today, and if so, I'm not going to apologize. Um, <laughs> did you see in the narthex what arrived this last week? We've got some little, little babies, um, and I set them up yesterday, and uh, they're, they're little, they're, they're, uh, it's a fetus model. Uh, and there's a little tiny baby at, at 12 weeks of age, and there's one at uh, 16 and one at 22 and one, I think, at 28. Um, pick them up. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I set them out yesterday, I had a little bit of a tough time with it because we've had some children at those age that aren't with us and that are in heaven. But they're there to remind you that these babies in the womb are life that God creates. And our country right now says that those aren't really people. Okay? And you need to say and speak up with God's word against what our culture teaches. Because our culture is always trying to to negate God's word. Okay? And so this last week we had a March for Life uh, thank you, Pastor and Bald Barb, for going to that. And we had some other members, I think, that were there as well. We took two school buses from our Lutheran High School there to the march as well. Pastor Miro came back from Symposia uh, to uh, lead a worship service down at St. Peter's. First time we've done that. Um, he, he came to me earlier this last year, and he said, I'm tired of the Roman Catholics getting their mass. By gosh and by golly, we're going to have a Lutheran worship service. And he said, I'll do whatever I need to do. I said, God bless you. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and so, so, you know, we did that. I know it's during the day and it's hard to do it. And I know some of you don't like to draw attention to yourselves. I get that. Uh, you know, whatever small way you can, we need to support simply the truth of God's word in our society. And yes, we are told that we will be persecuted for that. But the Lord 
promises he will also protect us, okay, according to his, his good grace, okay? Um, and so um, it's not political, it's what God's word says. So we must speak to those issues as the church, okay? Um, and uh, and it, we, mu- we must toe that line always, okay? All right, comments, questions there, I got a little tangent. Um, but that all comes back to is means is. So it's either life that God creates or it's life that it's not, okay? But anyway, those, those little babies, there's some great information there. You got your kids, go, go pick them up. Go, go cuddle with them. Um, they're, they're the actual weight, uh, the normal weight of, of a baby that size. Um, and uh, put a little baby powder on them if they get sticky. Otherwise, they, uh, well, they're like babies. <laughs> oh, anyway, okay, let's move on. What is worthy or unworthy here, he continues, is not the person of the communicant. We've already talked about that. Uh, but his manner of reception, that is, his treatment of the body and blood of Christ. Okay, and what we're talking, what Marquardt's talking about here is your faith. What is your faith in? Is your faith simply in God's word or is it something else? If it's based on your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding, that's all self-justification. Okay, faith simply receives that which God says and does. Okay, that's why Jesus extols the faith of a little child who simply accepts. Child can't reason yet, right? A child may or may not know the words. So the first stage of learning is the grammar stage. It's where you learn your vocabulary, okay? And from there, then you move on to what phase comes next? Logic, okay? Uh, Logic, uh, you know, one plus one equals two, okay? Um, And then from there, you move on on to rhetoric, okay? Uh, Which... uh, (laughs) Rhetoric, as my wife always explained to me, uh, was uh, like the hardest math class she ever took in college. <laughs> Rhetoric's not that bad. Uh, it just deals more with the uh, questions of uh, the, 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 the how, right? So grammar is the what. Logic is a little bit more of the, eh, no, I'm getting all that confused. Let's just move on before I dig myself a classical hole in the dirt. So, No one is ever worthy of Christ's great gift of himself. The small catechism, therefore, puts it well. Let's read it together. Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training. Stop. Fine outward training for what? For reception of the Lord's Supper. Okay? Now, if the Lord's Supper doesn't have anything to do with your actual body... Why did God ever command fasting in the Old Testament? Now, Christ has fulfilled all that, but why is Luther teaching us that, that fasting is not a bad thing before you take the Lord's Supper? If the Lord's Supper has nothing to do with your physical body now, then when did your physical body ever have anything to do with anything spiritual? So the problem is your flesh and mine we know is born sinful. But the Lord now takes your body and covers it, clothes it, actually covers your body, the New Testament says. With what? First with baptism. And then he does what with that body? He feeds that body. He nourishes that body. Okay? Uh, So that's why Scripture is very clear. Your body now, as a redeemed sinner, a baptized believer, your body is not your own. You were bought with a price, saith the Lord. Therefore, honor God with your body. See, if body doesn't matter, and people want to play this game, they want to remove first the body of Jesus from the sacrament, 
but then they want to remove their own personal bodies from having anything to do with it as well. <laughs> you see the problem with that? And that's really, for those of you philosophy stuff, this gets back to the whole Greek dualism thing, right? Uh, or as uh, uh, I call him our crazy German professor, our crazy German guy uh, uh, up at the seminar, Roland Ziegler. Ziegler's a German. You've seen Ziegler before. He's got this big bear beard and, and uh, he chain smokes cigarettes in between uh, chapel and classes. No, I'm serious. And he's got you know different hat he always kind of wears. One of the brightest theologians we have in the Missouri Synod right now. Solid guy. Great. Love him to death. Love him to death. And, um, you know, now why was I telling you about him? I hate it when that happens. Yeah, body. I don't remember. It'll come to me. I'm sorry. <sighs> I got too far ahead of myself. Um, oh, what, it, was, it was a really good, it was very profound. You would have been really impressed. It probably wasn't. <laughs> uh, let's move on. It'll come to me. So, yeah, fasting, bodily preparation. I don't remember. Oh, man, I'm getting old. Fasting, bodily preparation, or certainly fine outward training. Let's continue. But that person is truly worthy and well prepared who has faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, bodily discipline and reverence for the sacrament are not to be sneered at, least of all in an age obsessed with physical fitness and beauty. Can we say that's fair? You've seen there's been more ads on TV during the month of January for Jenny Craig of Weight Watchers and whatever her name is and, and all of the new places you can go for 10 bucks a month and ride a bike or whatever you want to do. I mean, you've all made resolutions to drop 5 pounds or 10 pounds or not have a bowl of ice cream every night with honey roasted peanuts on top drizzled with butterscotch now I've said too much. <laughs> so that is part of the, 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 the age we live in, this obsession with the physical appearance, you know, and, 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 and you know, you ladies find yourselves held to the standard, and you men as well, right? <laughs> Tell my wife, you get what you get, babe. <laughs> now the whole point is to repent of one sin. We've got a problem with our body. Uh, and a turn for help and healing to, and here's the word, medicine of immortality. Originally comes from St. Ignatius. It's used, and there's a, uh, 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 a quote there, um, uh, letter of Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch to the Ephesians. Uh, this quote is picked up by Ignatius and run with a number of early church fathers. I'm not going to get into that now, but, but this term has found its way into um, our Lutheran writings and theology as well. Um, healing to the medicine of immortality in the body and blood which have taken away the sins of the world. That, and not a sickly concentration on internal inventories, is the purpose of the self-examination, 1 Corinthians 11.28, before communion. Now, delaying until one feels worthy or unworthy enough is to leave faith for feelings, which is why I've told you, when do you need the Lord's Supper? When do you need it? Often is what Jesus says you need it, okay? Uh, often is not once in a blue moon, 
often implies on a regular basis. Acts chapter 2, how early, how often did the early church, how did they understand this? Every Lord's Day. That's what it says. Every Lord's Day they gathered together for the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They gathered together for the liturgy and an intimate family meal. Okay? Which is once a week. So that's the history of the church. Uh, that's what we've practiced here. I think that's the most faithful. Thank you for being so receptive of that. Uh, but not only that, you need it. And so do I. And it's the chief thing about how God comes to us and gives us these things, and it's both for your sinful body and also for your soul, okay? So it's food for you. Now, does the Lord promise, whether it be medicine of immortality, that taking the Lord's Supper is automatically going to get rid of your cancer? Boy, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Boy, it would be cool. He doesn't promise that. You know, uh, we pray thy will be done along with Jesus. We know that he will uh, allow us to experience some things. We know that we face death in our bodies all day long like sheep, like lambs to be slaughtered. Okay? Uh, Paul talks about that, that thorn in the side. We live amongst temptations, but praise be to God who has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. For your body is not your own. Your sinful body now, physical body, is washed and covered and clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And not only is it washed and clothed and covered, so that as you appear before the Most High Judge, he sees that guy instead of your sinful self. Now he also feeds and nourishes your own body. Which is why we're called to care for our physical bodies. Which is why the church as well always cared for somebody's body in death. Okay, even in death. It's why the ladies were going to the tomb that Easter Sunday morning. What did they want to do? They weren't going to see if Jesus was dead or alive. What were they going to do? They were going to anoint his body. They were caring for his body even in death. Okay? And nowadays, our, we're a throwaway society. Okay? Um, now, you're free in the gospel. I suppose you can do whatever you want with your body once you're dead. But I want you to think about Scripture. I think your body is more valuable than you might realize, even your physical body. We live in a throwaway society. We don't want to deal with death. We just, we just want to hire the funeral homes. They come take care of the body and might make it look nice or just not deal with it at all. Okay? All I would ask you to do is this. Compare how we deal with the body now to how the bodies of believers are dealt with in the Bible. Just do that. I'm not telling you what to do or not to do. I've totally changed my thinking a little bit on some of this. Okay? Uh-oh, I knew we were going to get down this road. It's my fault I brought it up. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I knew this. I, I was dancing around it, right? Okay, let's let's let 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 let's yes and no. Let me let me let me let me give you let me throw two things out there. Okay, number one. Okay, um, is cremation sinful? I would say no. I would say there is no clear prohibition from Scripture against it. That's what I would say. Now, I have a few pastors who would take me to tell. One's a very dear friend of mine, okay? Um, and he would, he would go back to the Old Testament on this, and I would say Christ has fulfilled that. 
okay, that that, that, that proscription uh, has been fulfilled, okay? So cremation, not sinful, I would say, okay? Um, tattoos, oh, fun topic. Yeah, sinful, not sinful, okay? In the Old Testament, the Lord does actually say not to mark your skin. Did you know that? That's actually in there. I would say Christ has also fulfilled that as well, okay? But I would, I would also, if you're telling me you're going to get a tattoo, I would say, why? Because it's about motive. Motives can still be sinful. So a tattoo could be sinful, right? If you say, I'm going to, you know, have tattooed on my chest Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it's by grace I've been saved through faith. And now since the Word of God is tattooed on my chest, the Word of God is physically going to protect my body. I'm going to trust the tattoo on my chest. And I'm going to say, huh, wrong. <laughs> That's sinful. In the same way, and I actually had somebody who said this to me once, Pastor, I want to be cremated because by then my body will already be all broken down and, and, and decomposed and we'll be ready for the resurrection. I'll get to heaven quicker. <laughs> and I said, wrong for two reasons. One, Scripture doesn't promise that. Two, Cremation is actually not the decomposing of a body. Applying fire is a chemical process. So all of the science people in the room here can nod their heads and agree with me on this. Decomposition is not the same as burning something. Okay. Um, so why do you want to do it? What's your belief? Cheap? Yep. Hear that quite often. Okay. Um, and I would say make sure you do your homework on that. I've actually found a cheaper option from every funeral home I've talked to. That they can actually bury a body without doing anything to it, and it's cheaper than cremating it. Okay, uh, the liberal left is call are calling these green funerals, by the way. Okay, uh, the body isn't removed of its organs or its blood um, and replaced with chemicals. Okay, uh, which I wouldn't say is sinful uh, in that way, but I would simply ask the question: Is is that a caring for the body in death? I don't know. I mean, I would, I would ask that question. I'd say let your conscience be your guide in some respects. Um, my instructions for my, and I've changed on this, has been, uh, you know, bury me right away. And if, you, if, you, if whatever, it doesn't work out to bury me right away, then put me on ice when they can do that. Put me in a fridge and, 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 then, and then bury me. My wife doesn't want to look at my body anyway. I don't care. Just put me in the ground. And then have a service, celebrate the Word of God, and the resurrection is the, is the, and that is the joy. Sure, remember me for better, for worse, whatever you want, uh, but, but let it be about Christ and, 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 and do that, okay? Uh, but I want my body just to be put, planted, as Scripture says, like a seed into the ground. Oh, that's actually in the New Testament. The New Testament, where Paul talks about our bodies being planted as a seed, and, and that our body is being raised as, as perishable. So I've said, you know, care for my body. You know, put it. You know, I mean, before, 100 years ago, there really weren't a lot of funeral homes around, okay? Uh, families would take care of the bodies themselves. They'd lie and stayed in the home and in the parlor, and you're like, oh, that's so gross. Or, yeah, I always knew great-grandma and grandpa were a little weird, um, you know. But uh, there was actually a Christian and a theological reason for that. It was caring for, and it helped through the grief process. And I know it's really in your face, but let me tell you this. God is an in-your-face kind of God. <gasps> oh, my. Yeah, he is. 
he's an in-your-face, and he's also a, a very, um, uh, <laughs> he's a very earthy, tangible type of God. So baptism is kind of a big deal. And the Lord's Supper, kind of a big deal. Okay? Um, and, uh, you know, having hands laid upon you when you're sick, the elders, when the pastors go, um, is kind of a big deal. Okay? Um, you know, God works through the means that he's promised, and a person of faith just, just simply trusts that. Okay? We'll come back to the cremation thing later. We got into this in a Bible study last year. Um, and so just so you hear from me, cremation is not sinful. Many of you have, have, uh, have, have probably chosen that or had loved ones that have done that. I've had that in my family as well. Um, and I would simply say, you know, with what you do, how can it be a confession? How can it be a confession of faith? I would say cre- cremation really doesn't say anything about your confession of faith. And matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when a body was burned by fire, it was always a sign of God's judgment. Did you know that? Now that that doesn't apply anymore. But in the Old Testament, God commanded bodies to be burned with fire because they rejected Him or were unbelievers. And you need to understand that there, there, there were historically, as cremation developed, it developed in England and made its way over here. I'm, I'm very familiar with a lot of the history, but I don't want to go too far off here. Um, it, was, it was with uh, those uh, who, who denied God's word. And, and so there, there are, just know this, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't think most people that get cremated here in the United States are like, well, I'm anti-Christian, therefore I'm getting cremated. But you need to know that that used to be a tradition at various times. Okay. Now I think most people would say, who said it over here, it's a matter of, of cost. Okay. Uh, and the funeral homes don't normally have it on their sheets they give you, but you can actually ask them about just having your body buried without being embalmed, um, and, and it's actually cheaper than cremation. Okay. Don't go tell your funeral director I said that because I'll get some nasty emails. <laughs> so... Um, thankfully, when I was in Hastings, we had three funeral homes. One of the uh, funeral homes was owned by a very, very conservative Roman Catholic family. And I had a great relationship with, with, with that funeral director. Um, and, and, and they would still, they had their own crematory. He would actually let me take my uh, uh, confirmation class to go visit the crematory. Because kids would want to know more about, I mean, it was just kind of one of those things. Should I want to be a cremator? I said, well, I said, you know. That's a great question. So for the parents that would allow their kids, you know, we'd go, we'd go look at a, a cadaver that's been embalmed. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's dealing with death. We, we'd, lo- we'd look at, uh, you know, a body, very respectful way, uh, that hadn't been embalmed. Okay, we'd go to the crematory and look at how a body is, is burned. Bones don't burn, by the way. And this is why all the early uh, urns, if you will, are anywhere from 17 to 19 inches tall because that's where the femur bone would go. Bones don't burn. Bones have to be crushed. So after they burn what they can with your body, they then take all your bones and put them in a gigantic grinder, and the bones are ground up. And that's then mixed in with, you're not liking this, I know. I'm just telling you what happens. So it's not really burned like you think it is. And I would simply ask the question, I know some of you will hate me for this, is that the best way to care for your body in death? You have to answer that question for yourself. Okay? Um, you know, it's all about your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So let's, let's not make new law in the church. So, huh, long-winded answer. Yes, the church has changed in some regards. Okay? And, and I think rightly so because, 
you know, there are no longer proscriptions for that, but, you know, um, should I have uh, three glasses of bourbon every night before I go to bed, or will just one shot do? My grandma lived to be 97. She had a shot of bourbon every night, actually. So those of you that tell me you'll die early, I did, you know. My other grandma smoked two packs a day till she was 95 and died at 101. <laughs> that throws off all the numbers, doctor. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, so you got to be careful with this whole, you know, sinful thing. That's why scripture kind of talks about moderation, right? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's moderation. I struggle with this with the whole marijuana thing now. It's all been in the news, you know, and if it's legal... Does that mean then? I mean, is it is it is it sinful? I, I don't know. Can I think about that one for a while? I, I, I personally not, you know. I, I I get some of the medical side of that, and I've dealt with people who have had uh, medical reasons, been very helpful, uh, and I'll leave that to the doctors and the scientists. I'm not I'm not going to tread on that one. Is it sinful otherwise? I'd say you know if it's it's a physical thing, that's fine. If you're using it for escapism. You know, like you would have three drinks instead of one because you get to a certain point in your mind where you forget about everything you're doing or your wife or your husband. That I'd say now we're getting into sinful and we're getting out of the, the realm of moderation and we're getting out of what God says every good gift comes from above, right? So God has given us all these things to be stewards of and to be masters over them. Don't let the gifts master you. That's what a Christian should do. Don't let the gifts master you, Okay? Uh, and just know as a sinful nature, your, your, your sinful nature always has a proclivity now to become addicted to something because you're a sinner. So be mindful of that. And there's help there for you if you're struggling with that. Wow, we got way off topic. Okay. I'll probably get a whole bunch of transfer requests in the mail this week. Welcome back, Carter. Um, the whole point is to repent of one's sin, to turn for help and healing. Okay. And so if God promises now that forgiveness of sins is there and also life and also salvation, then we simply say amen. We don't try and explain it, okay? Uh, we don't go so far to say that taking the Lord's Supper will cure you of cancer because it all comes down to what God is going to allow uh, and how he's going to work for you. We simply trust that he is at work. You got it? And so if he provides a gift like this, why would you not want it? That becomes the question. Now, um, so Marquardt says this, delaying until one feels worthy or unworthy enough is to leave faith for feelings. <laughs> it is like, I could hear him saying this, it's like a death, deathly ill patient gasping, thank you, doctor, for the antibiotics. I'll take them as soon as I feel a little better. <laughs> right? I mean, you're sick. We, we are, as poor, miserable sinners, sick and infirm right now. And so the Lord pro provides now something that is, 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 is actual food, uh, and it's forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, that we just simply say, Father, may I? Please? Right? Um, okay, the two things which are to draw us often and regularly to the sacrament are our own need and the great value and power of the divine remedy. And if people feel no particular need, well, one can hardly improve on Luther's answer. You want to read it with me, and then we'll finish up? I know no better advice than to suggest that they put their hands to their bosom and ask whether they are made of flesh and blood. If you find that you are, then for your own good, turn to St. Paul's epistle to the Galatians and hear what are the fruits of the flesh. And Luther then quotes Galatians 5. Let's go on. If you cannot feel the need, therefore, 
at least believe the Scriptures. They will not lie to you, and they know your flesh better than you yourself do. But the fact that we are insensitive to our sin is all the worse. For it is a sign that ours is a leprous flesh, which feels nothing, though the disease rages and rankles. In short, the less you feel your sins and infirmities, the more reason you have to go to the sacrament and seek a remedy. I I think uh, Luther probably got a few requests for transfers from people from time to time. What do you think? He just kind of called it like it is, said, hey. It's just he was kind of in your face. Again, top of the page. Here we go. If you could see how many daggers, spears, and arrows are at every moment aimed at you, you would be glad to come to the sacrament as often as possible. Wow. I mean, the sacrament is Christ breaking into this world physically. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Post-communion colics, may he strengthen you, body and soul, to life everlasting. You catch that? We as pastors don't say, may he strengthen your soul, (laughs) you know, your Casper the ghost soul or whatever it is. Body and soul, to life everlasting and preserve you. Last one, elsewhere Luther reminds us of vital truths so often neglected. We'll finish here. Here we go. If you find that the words and the sign of the sacrament are softening your heart and moving you to be kind to your enemy, to receive your neighbor, and to help him bear his distress and sorrow, all is well. If this is not the result of your partaking of the sacrament, you cannot be certain that you have profited from the sacrament even if you were to partake of it a hundred times a day with the greatest of devotion and were overwhelmed with tears of joy. Such wondrous devotion which carries on in this manner counts for nothing with God. It is also very dangerous because it is so completely self-centered and misleading. And I will leave you with the words of St. John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.